And I'm so glad to be here with every one of you on this Wednesday night. And um, I will ask you to open your Bibles with me to Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Proverbs 18 and verse 21. And as you are opening your Bible or your iBible, Android Bible, for some of you uh, rebels out there that don't want to be Apple users, that's all right too. Uh, you can look to the screen if your Android doesn't work. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm so glad to be here and so grateful for your pastor and his wife and family. They are amazing people of God. And it's my understanding that uh, I believe a few of the young people, if I'm not mistaken, are out uh, Bible quizzing. Is that right? They made it to nationals or something like that. So they made it big time. I want to give a little round of applause for them and for your pastor, his wife, their family, for all the young people that are out there that put in a whole lot of work. And uh, I, I love the faith. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, and I'm sure your pastor will watch. And, uh, but your pastor texted me a while ago, uh, a long while ago, and said, hey, man, you know, I'd like you to come on this Wednesday, uh, July 19th, and and he said, just in case, you know, he said, we're probably going to make it to nationals. And uh, he said, if we make it to nationals, then I won't be there, and I'd love for you to come on by. And I was like, man, I kind of like that faith, you know what I mean? Like, haven't even started Bible quizzing yet, and he's got all kind of faith in his team like that. And then I called him one day, said, hey, man, did you guys make it? And he said, yeah, we're going. We made it. So it's a bittersweet moment that they're not here right now. Uh, but it's also a good thing that your young people are invested in the Word of God. And so that is a good thing for the future of the kingdom of God and for the future of this church. And so uh, I, I do ask you pray for them. Um, your pastor does a whole lot. Every pastor out there uh, in this world does a whole lot for the people of God that God, uh, you know, places there for them to serve. And so I pray that you would pray for them. And God would bless them and help them, keep his hand upon them. Um, I also want to honor my wife and my boys that are not here tonight. My parents flew in two nights ago, and it was my son's birthday yesterday. So he's five years old now, and uh, yeah, they're growing, man. We got another baby on the way, so we're, we're pumped about all that. Amen. We're excited. Um, we, yeah, we are, we are truly blessed. I've got two boys, some of you that do know, two boys right now, and, uh, you know, we don't know yet, but everybody's all prophesying this next one's going to be a girl, so you guys pray for me, all right? Because <laughs> I don't know how to handle that, um, anyway. <laughs> so I, I'm so grateful for my family, love them so very much, and uh, they obviously are not here right now uh, for that very reason of my parents being in town. I want to honor all the young people, uh, those that were at camp. It's good to see you guys again. I mean, I have told just about everybody that, uh, and I want to be careful, but Missouri, did, and I'm not biased by any means because I live here, um, but Missouri District Junior High Camp, I'll say this it won't get so I don't get in trouble, it was one of the best camps that I have been to this summer of the four camps that I'll be, you know, going to by the end of this summer, uh, but also is one of the best camps I've been to in the past seven years. And so I'm extremely grateful 
for the young people. I, I'm going to, I'm just taking my time, um, but I don't feel bad, so we'll be all right. Uh, I'll be standing the rest of the message anyway, so you guys will be fine. You know, the, um, the young people, I, I got to thinking, they gave me the ages, I think was about 12 to 15, I believe. Is that right, junior high camp? Thank you, guys. And uh, I got to thinking, man, you know, it, these, these seems, uh, the ages seem a bit younger than maybe what I'm used to in a, a youth camp, normally about 14. Now they extend the young person's age to like 30-something, you know. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm thinking, man, you know, these are young people, 12 to 15 years old, and I even told my wife, you know, I was praying. I'm like, God, you know, what do you want me to do? And just trying to, you know, figure it out. And got there, and I realized, man, the hunger and maturity level. Y'all parents might be looking at me kind of funny, like, what are you talking about? But, you know, uh, the maturity level of these young people really is a lot more than maybe some of you were when you were, were younger. And I understand we've got a whole lot going on in the world that keeps our young people younger with all types of social media and comparisons and whatnot. But when there is an open door for spiritual things, these young people, they will go after it. They are hungry for it. And when they are exposed to it, as they have been, I watched every one of them respond in such a great way and with great faith. And so I pray that you all would continue that and keeping that uh, door open. And what I mean by that is when you're at home, that your home is an environment, a place where Jesus is welcome where your kids hear you praying, hear you speaking in tongues. My wife and I, we've got a rule in our house and in our car, anything we own, any, any place we are, it doesn't matter who's around. If we feel God moving, we're going to go ahead and just let God have his way. There have been plenty of times I'm in the middle of the road driving and I'm speaking in tongues. My kids think that's normal. Well, other kids think that's weird. You know, but I want my kids to know, hey, you know what, that's normal to walk with God that way. And so I commend your young people for their hunger for God. And I know that they're going to preach with me here tonight. Amen? So I know the young people are going to preach with me here tonight, right? All right, okay. Proverbs 18, verse 21. And the Bible said, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit Thereof. I'm going to say this scripture one more time. Everybody can get it in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I want to talk to you for a brief moment on the power of the tongue. Would you go ahead and lift up your hands all over this sanctuary, and why don't we lift up our voice, and let's just ask God to have his way here tonight. Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to be in this place. I pray you would anoint my mind and loose my tongue to speak your word here today, that your will be done in this place. I give you all the honor and all the glory. I love you in the name of Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Why don't we clap our hands and the Bible says to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So why don't we go ahead and shout unto God. Shake somebody's hand around you and tell them the power of the tongue. After that, you may be seated. 
Now, I believe with all my heart that it really matters what you say. All right. I have some convincing to do because nobody said amen. I'm going I'm to break it down to you and prove it to you in about 0.2 seconds. You guys with me on this? Everybody ready? All right. So I would like all of the wives as spiritual and kind and meek as the Bible talks about you are. And I know that you walk with the Lord so closely and float in the clouds, you know, and are so spiritual and just so ladylike. And your most ladylike, spiritual, woman of God-like voice and way that you always do anyways in the natural realm. Would you look to your husband and say, it matters what you say. I saw somebody pull a finger out. I saw that. I kind of looked up, too. I'm not going to point somewhere in that section over there. Now, I would ask the husbands to turn over and say the exact same thing, but I'm not going to do that because I realize we have bigger problems. See, I've just proved to you it really does matter what you say, right? Somebody now say amen. What you say makes a, a big difference, worlds of a difference. Matter of fact, when you have a bad situation in your life, when you're going through something, you don't call the person in the church that's always having a problem, that's always having a bad day, the Debbie Downer, as they say, of the church, you know, the negative Nancy. You don't call that individual that's always having a bad day when the doctor says, look, you've got cancer, when the doctor tells you, you know, this situation's going on with your mom, with your dad, they're about to lose their life. They're on their deathbed. I mean, when it's the worst of the worst, you don't call somebody who's always negative for a word, right? They're going to tell you how, you know what, your situation's bad, but their situation's even worse. They're going to jump in that misery with you, and before you know it, y'all both going to be boohooing and crying because all of a sudden your lives are all messed up and you got no hope whatsoever. You don't call that person. You call somebody who's going to tell you, you know what, God's on the throne. It's going to be all right. You might call somebody Maybe like your pastor or pastor's wife who's not allowed to have a bad day, right? All right. Well, somebody just kind of understood that one there for a moment. Because they're spiritual people, they won't tell you they're having a bad day. And they'll say, you know what? God is in control. It's going to be all right. You're going to call somebody who is able to tell you, you know what? I realize that the rain is out and the storm is storming more than it ever has. And, you know, life has really just been life to me lately. But you know what? God is in control. You're going to call somebody that's always having a good day, that's walking with God, that knows God, that's living for God, that's able to speak in the, the realm of the Spirit something positive. Why? Because it can change your entire atmosphere. It can change your life. What you say in your home can change your life. It can change the atmosphere. Some husbands, now I realize it's not a marriage seminar, and I by no means would like to say I've got all the answers. Absolutely not. But I will say some people don't like to come home. Why? Because the atmosphere is negative. Why? Because of what you always say. All right, I'm definitely on something now. So what happens is we create an atmosphere that's either negative or positive. But see, the world tells us, the world already told us, you know, you can, thank you, I appreciate that. You can manifest, they would say, you know, they call it manifesting. You can speak into something, you know, whatever you want to be. You can be whatever you'd like, the friends you'd like to have, the people you'd like to hang out with, the job you'd like to have, the, the wife for you men, all right? You're supposed to marry a woman, and the husband for you ladies is supposed to marry a man. Can you say amen? 
So make sure we're all right on that. Okay, I don't have to change the message. And so anyway, you realize that the atmosphere around you can change drastically simply by what you say. But the world already told us that. But I believe that what the world doesn't really understand is it was already said thousands of years ago in the Word of God that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Not only is it a principle in the natural realm, but when you add God and faith in God to the equation that is so much more powerful than just manifesting yourself into something, but rather you are speaking the word of God. And when you speak the word of God, that God is in control. Or when you speak to the mountain, the Bible says, say to the mountain, be thou removed and it shall be removed and cast in to the sea. If you've got faith and you believe anything is possible. And so what I'm telling you here today is when you speak in that manner, absolutely anything can happen. Uh, your kids that are walking out on God, your husband that don't want to serve God, your wife that's losing her mind and says, you know what? I don't have faith in God anymore. Can I tell you all it takes is one man, one woman of God to rise up and say, you know what? God is in control of this ship. God is in control of this house. God is in control of my children. No matter how far they've gone, no matter how deep it's been, no matter how wild a school it is, God is in control of where I'm at. He's in control of where I'm going. God knows absolutely everything. And though it seems dark around, I know without a shadow of a doubt that everything is going to be all right. There was a, a woman, Shunammite woman in the Bible. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings and uh, chapter 4 says, you know, this woman had a miracle child. And she wasn't able to have children before. And the prophet's a long story, and I won't get all into it. You can, you can read the Bible for yourself, Second Kings chapter 4, and make sure that I'm not lying to you, all right? That's what you should do. That's what they would tell us growing up, you know, bring your own Bible. Make sure I'm not quoting the Scripture wrong. That was all kind of translations, and they add and subtract things and so on and so forth. So I... I admonish you, I beseech you in the King James English. Go read your Bible. Second Kings chapter 4, there's a Shunammite woman, and the Bible says that there's a prophet. Man of God comes to her and says, you know, you, you, what do you have need of? Go tells his servant, go ask her, what does she need? And so the servant comes back and says, she has no child. She, she don't need anything, but I know she has no child. And so the prophet says, well, tell her about this time next year. She will indeed have a child. And he speaks. He prophesies into that uh, woman's life. And sure enough, just as the prophet mentioned, that woman has a child about that time next year. And so now this miracle baby is in their hands, and he's growing up. And he one day goes out into the field with his father. And the Bible says while he is working in the field with his father, all of a sudden this child who is a miracle baby, all right, who's not supposed to be in this world according to the natural realm because his mother was barren, not able to have children. But now blessed by God and a miraculous thing happens and this baby comes into the world. This boy now falls sick there in the field. And the father tells the servant, go, take him to his mother. And this mother, who at one point, this child brought a whole lot of faith. 
brought a whole lot of faith into her life. This mother lays this sick child on her lap. And the Bible says right there on her lap that that child is not sick any longer, but now he is dead. And so we've got a situation that has gone from bad to worse. And in the middle of this, this woman should be really uh, in a state of depression. She should absolutely, without, you know, really anybody that would come against this type of idea, she should be okay and justified to have thoughts of faithlessness and doubt, if you will. I think that anybody in this sanctuary, in this church, if they were to go through such a tragic situation as losing Losing their baby and having to bury a child. It doesn't make sense. It's out of order for a parent to bury a child. I got two boys and I could not even fathom the idea of having to bury a child. Would you imagine having to bury a brother or a sister? It just doesn't make sense while you're here in your young age, maybe one that's younger than you, and here she is in this time of life that is absolutely out of order. And she goes and puts the child into the prophet's room. The Bible says they built him a room, made him feel welcome. And when they, when they did that, she put the boy in there, closed the door behind her. She comes down and she goes and meets her husband. She tells her husband, listen, I need you to get me a donkey and I need you to get me a servant. I got to go see the man of God today. Now, the husband's dealing with the same situation. Her, his son has just passed away. You know, and, and back then, you know, there definitely was an emphasis, and I don't, not meaning for it to be any particular way, but there was an emphasis on having a son carry on a legacy, carry on a lineage, carry on a name. And at the beginning, he was not even able to have a, a child, let alone a son. And now God has blessed them with a child and a son. And now this boy who falls sick, and now he is dead, and the father is dealing with all this, and he's obviously trying to deal with it the best he knows how. And the mother comes to him, or his wife comes to him and says, listen, I need a donkey. I need a servant. I got to go see see the man of God. And the husband looks at her and probably with the best courage and maybe faith he knows how and really with just any type of word he knows next. He says, no, 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 it's not the right time to go see the man of God. It doesn't make any sense. You're going to go bug him. It's not the right, it's not new moon nor is it the Sabbath. There are certain times and orders for this type of thing. He's telling her, this is not the time right now. And so in this moment, this woman looks at him and with all faith, not doubt though she should have had it faith, not depression, though it should have absolutely been there, not suicidal thoughts, though she may have been justified to be thinking those ideas uh, that if God is not with me because my child is now passed away and the Lord allowed it, she could be thinking these ideas and be justified. But in that moment, she looks to her husband and she speaks these words. She says, it shall be well. That makes no sense whatsoever. The reality is it's not well. The boy is still dead in the middle of her speaking to her husband and declaring it shall be well. The boy is literally still lifeless in the prophet's room there in their house. This is a bad situation and it is not getting any worse. But in the middle of this darkest moment of this woman's life, she rises up and she begins to declare it shall be well. Can I tell you that the best time to speak life is not whenever 
everything is going all right. The best time to declare that it shall be well is not when you're in the middle of all the best moments of your life. The sun's out. You've got all the right amount of money in the bank. and You've got the best job, the best kids, the best wife, the best home to go back to, the greatest car to drive. You've got everything you need. You've got a sound mind. No, no, no. The best time to speak life is when you don't feel it. Is when all of a sudden darkness creeps in and you're walking through the darkest valley of your life. I believe that's why David could say, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Not because I see the victory. But because thou art with me. Therefore it shall be well. Why don't somebody clap your hands for a moment? Why don't somebody just lift up your voice? in this room right now. I feel like there's some people that are going to prophesy into the atmosphere. And believe me, it's not just for the prophets uh, to speak the word of God. Uh, It's not just for that man of God. Uh, It's not just for the pastor, but it's for the people of God uh, to begin to declare, just like that woman, uh, it shall be well. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to try to go ahead and think about when God wants to do it. Uh, that'll be the day that God zaps me out of nowhere and begins to do the work. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. Uh, the only thing that we should be doing is believing uh, that God can, uh, believing that God will, and believing that God is going to do what he said he would do. Uh, I believe in that moment, uh, that woman, while she declared it shall be well, that was the time when all of a sudden life uh, began to fill the room uh, where there was death. I believe the atmosphere began to change and all of a sudden life entered into the room because of one woman that declared it shall be well. That's all it takes here today. It's just one individual that will speak the word of God that will not be afraid or will not look at their circumstance as the meter in which God is going to do it or not going to do it. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. You know, it really blows my mind that the disciples would think that Jesus, who is in the boat, taking a nap of all things, when they're in the middle of a storm, would say, hold on, hold on, go wake up the master, go wake up Jesus, because we are going to perish. You go look it up. The Bible says that they're all talking and amongst themselves uh, and they think they're going to die. Jesus is in the boat. Makes no sense. 
Jesus is with them. Can I tell you what makes you think uh, that Jesus is going to let it all come to nothing in your life? What makes you think uh, that he has brought you to this point? Uh, He has brought you to this place uh, to say, well, I'm going to abandon you now. You're going to be the first person that I let go and I don't have my hand upon. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Uh, He said, I will never leave you, uh, nor will I forsake you. Uh, But all it takes is one individual to rise up to Goliath. Uh, All it takes is one individual to rise up to the storm and say, peace, be still. One person that will declare when your child is gone, it shall be well. I know they don't want to serve God. I know they don't want to live for God, but I declare that everything's going to be all right. Maybe a parent today that says, you know, I realize my young people are going through so much. My young people are, my child is going through so much at their school, so much with their friends, so much uh, with this generation and this life that is so anti-Christ, that is so anti-God, so anti-spiritual things. And I believe it's in this moment uh, that if you are silent, you are doing as much uh, as an injustice uh, as speaking negative negativity. and You are doing as much of an injustice uh, as speaking all kind of chaos uh, because God, I don't believe, is looking for people that are going to stay silent and say well we'll see where this goes no 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 I believe God's looking for people that are going to speak the word of God in the middle of these situations uh, are going to correct uh, what is going wrong uh, are going to speak uh, that it shall be well that God's in control everything's going to be all right uh, in the middle of these moments you know it was David that walked toward Goliath and while the children of Israel are walking away from him one young man decides well I'm gonna I'm gonna speak the word of God and he begins to declare who does this uncircumcised Philistine think that he is and I have mentioned this before and I believe I've mentioned it even here at this church but I'd like to say it again because I, I hear it takes about seven times for somebody to actually remember something it's about right right I have a friend the other day and we were talking, and he said, uh, I said, man, I, I can't remember if I preached this at this church before or not. It was a different church. And, and he said, man, sometimes I'm so arrogant to believe, not me, but he's saying it about himself. He said, sometimes I'm so arrogant to believe that these people actually remember everything that I say behind the pulpit all the time. And he said, but it takes about seven times. And I looked at the statistic, and it's true. Sure does. You know, it takes about seven times to really remember something. And so I, what I would like to say is I think he was an ugly uncircumcised Philistine. You agree with me on that? Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. I haven't even given you my evidence yet, but I appreciate your faith going with me on it. I got a Bible for you. Ready? The Bible says that Goliath had six fingers and six toes. You give me a good-looking person with six fingers and six toes, and I will change what I just said. Until then, he's an ugly, uncircumcised Philistine. Is that all right? And I'm a little nervous. One day someone's going to be like, praise the Lord. (laughs) So far, it hasn't happened yet. From north to south, east and west. Even in a couple other countries. So we're all right. And while Goliath is coming against the children of Israel, he's speaking morning and evening. Talking all kinds of nonsense. All kinds of junk. Says, listen, I'm going to feed your bodies to the fowl of the air. I'm going to feed you all to the beasts of the field. I mean, he's just making up some crazy stuff. I guess we would equate that to somebody who's played 
one too many wild video games, right? Sound about right? Some of you just come up with some off ideas. You're like, bro, that's, you need to throw that away, man. Throw that in the fire. That ain't no good. We need to pray over that, and you need to pray through. You know, that was Goliath, except he didn't have anybody to help him pray through. He didn't have the Lord, you know, on his side. They worshiped this statue called Dagon. So Goliath one day is out there, and he's speaking all kind of mess again. And on that 40th, 40th day, David comes up, and he says, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Ugly, uncircumcised Philistine. Think that he is, right? I think he was ugly. The Bible don't say that, okay? But it points to it. He said, who does he think he is, you know, that he can come against the people of God like this? Does he, does he know that we are the children of God? And he starts speaking. Now, the difference between the children of Israel and David was one stayed silent while the other talked back. That's the only difference. They were facing the same Goliath. They were facing the same problem. You understand? The same warrior giant out there that was coming against him. But one guy said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who does this guy think he is? While the others were all scared and ran back to their tent. And all it took was one individual to rise up and say something. And so while he's speaking against Goliath, Goliath, the Bible says, curse David by his gods. Now, if we can kind of just slow down a little bit. I believe that Goliath somewhere in his life had seen the priest of the Philistines. They had a god named Dagon. I just told you that. He was a fish god, a statue made by their hands. They had a temple. They had priests. And I believe at some point Goliath had seen the priest of Dagon curse the enemy of the Philistines by the name of their god, Dagon. And so Goliath gets out there thinking he's a big shot and doing what he only knows to do and he looks at David and he says, well, I curse you by my God. And so he's thinking that God or that his God, Dagon, excuse me, has some type of power, has some type of anointing, has some type of supernatural something, when in all reality he was just made by their hands. And I was talking to my brother, and uh, he's an assistant pastor out in Los Angeles, and he was telling me there's a couple in their church that decided to go and, and walk out into their apartment complex and was praying that God would allow them to meet somebody that they could disciple. And so they finally met a young lady, and the lady agreed to come over and have some dinner at their apartment. And one night, as they're having dinner over that uh, table, they begin to talk about Jesus, and the lady opened up. She said, you know, I've been involved in satanic worship. My family has been involved in satanic worship. She said, I, my, my parents are witches and warlocks, my uncles and aunts. It's just the way of life for them. They don't know anything else. She says, it's the way I grew up. And so while she's opening up, she said, look, I don't, I don't know really what to do. I don't know what else to do. I've been dealing with depression and fear and suicide. And I don't know how to break free from this kind of thing. And I love that this couple did not say, well, we're going to go ahead and call the pastor and about 10 prayer warriors uh, before we come over and pray for you. I love that they didn't say, you know what? Uh, well, we'll wait till Sunday when everybody is there and we can pray with you. Why? Because in the book of Acts, they didn't wait uh, until they were all gathered together. Most of the miracles took place uh, in the book of Acts outside 
outside of the building. Uh, and so while they were there over their dinner table, they said, we'll pray for you right now and believe that God can do absolutely anything in your life. And they begin to speak the name of Jesus. And they begin to declare into her life, you're a great woman of God. You're going to do great things for God. This is what they were saying. You're anointed by God. Now, this made no sense because while they started speaking the name of Jesus and while they started prophesying over her life, demons literally started manifesting, coming out of her body. She was throwing up. They were coming out of her body right then and there. You know, the voices and all that other crazy junk where they try to instill fear and they kept on in the name of Jesus. You're an anointed woman of God. You're going to do great things for God. More would come out. God has appointed you. God has made you. God has called you and they would speak life some more. That makes no sense right there. Why? Because that woman is currently possessed by the devil but they were not speaking as though she was going through. They were speaking as to what she would become. They were speaking as to what she would walk into as to what God anointed her to be. And I tell you, I believe God is looking for somebody that will speak over your young person not for where they are right now but as to what they will become. As to what God has anointed for them to be. Why don't you rise up to your young person and say, you know what? You are a great man of God. You are a great woman of God. You will speak to the nations. You will prophesy to the nations. Why? Because God has anointed you. I feel the Holy Ghost all over this room. Somebody clap your hands and shout unto God for a moment. Go ahead. Somebody clap your hands and shout unto God. Why don't you let your voice out for a moment? Maybe there's a parent that says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to prophesy even though my kids don't want to serve God. Uh, I was 14 and really wanted to turn my back on God. Uh, and my mom would look up to me and say, you don't know it yet, uh, but you are a man of God. Uh, you have been anointed by God. Uh, you have been appointed to do the great work of God. All it took was one individual to speak the word. Why don't we clap our hands? I feel the Holy Ghost and I feel faith rising in this building right now. Why don't we add your voice to that for a moment? Can you do that? Some of you are waiting for somebody else to do it. Why don't you forget about all that? Lift up your voice because the walls of Jericho had not yet fallen and that's when they were commanded to shout. They were commanded to shout while they were still marching. They were commanded to shout while the walls were still high. But you know what? That's the moment that the walls fell down because they began to shout under the king of kings. It was a symbol that they were not in control, that they could not win this battle. They could not pick up a sword big enough. They could not be man enough, woman enough to defeat the enemy. But when they shouted, they were showing God, I put my trust in you. And because it's in you, there is nobody that can stand against the people of God. I feel like somebody just kind of want to let go for a moment. Why don't you clap your hands? Forget about what day it is. Why don't we clap our hands and remember who's in the room? Jesus is here among us. And when Jesus is here, all it takes is one blind Bartimaeus to say, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'm blind and I need my sight. You're the only one that can do it. All it takes is one. Go ahead, go ahead, all over this room, lift up your voice. Uh, lift up, go ahead, that's it. Why don't you clap your hands uh, and thank the Lord. 
I feel the victory in this room right now. Some of you haven't felt joy in a long time in your own house. Some of you haven't felt peace in a long time in your own mind. I'm talking to apostolic believers because God is wanting you to rise up. Quit waiting for everybody else to pray for you and rise up and speak the word of God. Quit waiting for everybody on a Sunday morning to lay hands on you and speak the word that it shall be well. I can feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Why don't we stand together? David wasn't waiting for anybody to rally around him. Think about it. David wasn't waiting for all the soldiers to come around and say, oh, good job. You've done great. No, no, no. He was waiting for God to show up. Matter of fact, he began to prophesy that God was showing up. And when God showed up, he looked at Goliath and he said, Goliath, listen, all I've got is a few smooth stones in my hand. He didn't even have a sword yet. He said, but when this thing is over, I'm going to chop your head off. The guy didn't even have a sword in his hand. And he began to prophesy to the enemy that when this thing is over, you won't even have a voice in which to speak into my life anymore. I wish that some young person today that's been battling anxiety, that's been battling depression, some mom that's been battling fear, some dad that's been battling confusion, why don't you go ahead and rise up and tell the enemy when I get home, you better not be there anymore. You better not be there when I walk through the door. Matter of fact, when I get in my car, you better have already left because the God of peace is going with me. Somebody's getting their joy back today. Somebody's getting their peace back today. Somebody's feeling life again today because God is in control. He's ordered the steps of the righteous. God is in control. Go ahead and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I can feel that in this room. And I'm telling you, in atmospheres like this, anything is possible. It's moments like this at the blind seat. Give me one moment, please. It's moments like this. I don't want people to get connected to the music quite yet because right now what's leading you is your faith and not the emotion of the strings that are being stroked through that keyboard. You understand what I'm saying? And so right now you've got to realize that where we are is not a place of travail, is not a place of, oh God, would you help me please? We are not in a posture which we often find ourselves in of, oh God, would you please, if you are out there, of a begging state. We are not in that posture right now. David, while he faced Goliath, was not pleading for God to help him in the moment. He was prophesying because he knew God would show up. That woman with that child that had passed away was not pleading for, I feel the Holy Ghost, was not pleading for God to show up. Oh, would you please? No, no, no. She recognized when I declare it shall be well, God will show up. They were not before the walls of Jericho hoping that God might maybe show up. They recognize with the roar of our voice, God will show up. 
We are going to shout here in a moment. And when you shout, we are not shouting just to shout. We are shouting in faith. And this atmosphere will literally change. You will feel it. If you've got any spiritual ounce in your body, you will feel the atmosphere change. And I encourage you, when you go home, take this into your room. Take this into your house. Believe me, I walk the halls of my home and I begin to prophesy. No, no, no. God is in control. The enemy cannot bring that thought into my mind. He's not even allowed in my home home. He's not even allowed in my car. I begin to prophesy. Why? Because death and life's in the power of the tongue. This is what I'd like us to do right now. All together, everybody in this room, I want you to come on down to this altar. Remain standing when you get here, please. We're not going to hide some people are afraid of the enemy. We're not going to hide. We're not going to run. We're not going to our, our, hold our head down. We're not going to uh, look at it in a way of being inferior or second best. Even these young people right now, you don't got to be a certain age. You hear me. You do not have to be a certain age. You don't have to have a certain way about you. God has called you where you are for who you are with the characteristics that you have. He'll, he'll do the purging. He'll do the purifying. He'll do all the cleansing. You just get close to him and watch him take you where he wants you to go. David wasn't trying to be a king. He was anointed by God to be a king. He went back to go tend to the sheep. That was the character building moment. And when he got there before Goliath, he just said, this is just another, another enemy. It's like the bear. It's like the lion. You go look it up. It's what he said. It's the Lord used me to, he, to, to tear down the lion, tear apart the lion to destroy the bear. What does his oversized Philistine think he is? And he began to speak that way to the enemy. I feel like as apostolic people, we have become a little bit nervous I think to say the least I'm being nice about that word we've become a little bit afraid almost of the enemy and sometimes when the enemy has allowed certain thoughts or fiery darts I should say have come our way into our mind some of you you know what every one of you has thought a thought that really makes no sense whatsoever Anybody ever done that before? Raise your hand, say amen. Everybody in this room, you've thought, man, that has, where in the world, I wasn't even thinking about that. That is so weird and so wrong and so absolutely out of this world. Can I tell you, that's a fiery dart of the enemy. And what he's trying to do is get you to believe that lie. And if you don't say anything before you know it, I've seen people that begin to ponder in it. They come to church all depressed. They weren't ever depressed before, but now they're all depressed. Oh man, what was me about this and that and the other? Now let me tell you about... Those, those people that begin to speak uh, to that lady who was possessed. Every one of those devils finally came out uh, there over the dinner table and when every one of those demons came out uh, those people laid hands on her in the name of Jesus and she was filled uh, with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, she began speaking with other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gave her the utterance. What blows my mind is she spoke to them and said, I've never had an encounter like this. Obviously, she's never been filled with the Holy Ghost like this. She's filled, filled with joy now and has got peace in her heart. And 
The Spirit of God is living inside of her after she spoke with other tongues as the evidence of receiving the Spirit. She looked at them and she said, while you all were speaking over my life that I'm a great woman of God, I'm going to do great things for God, I've been anointed by God. While you all were speaking that kind of stuff and these demons were coming out, she said, I could literally see these demons over there in that, in that corner that were trying to reach up. They were jumping up, trying to reach up and steal your words. Can I tell you, the enemy understands the power of the tongue. And if we were to just kind of flip the switch on them and say, well, you know what? I, I understand the power of the tongue too. I understand the power of the Holy Ghost too. And if I speak the word of God, all of a sudden the atmosphere will begin to change in my home. My son, when he was born, the Lord already spoke to me, said it'd be all right. He was born, he had jaundice uh, pretty severely, and, and his hearing was not 100%. And the doctor came in, ran the test, and said, no, 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 you guys can't leave today because he's got jaundice and his hearing isn't 100%. She walked out the door, I remember. I picked up my oldest son, and I said, God, you already said it'd be all right. I put him back down. I didn't pray that the jaundice go away. I didn't pray that his hearing be 100%. I said, God, he is in your hands. You already said he was going to be all right. I'm not giving in to none of this stuff and the doctor came back a few moments later said let me just try it again she plugged it all up and said you know what you guys are going to go ahead and leave today she said you know what now and he's got no more jaundice his hearing's 100 percent everything's perfectly fine all it takes is one individual to speak the word of god this is what we're going to do i can continue preaching on and on and on, but I feel faith in this room already. This is what we are going to do all over this place. Uh, we're going to shout hallelujah on the count of three as loud as you can. And when we shout hallelujah, I'm telling you in that moment, many of you are going to feel, some of you got physical sickness in your body, God can handle all of that. Not a problem for him. If he made your body, what's a repair job, right? It's really no problem. He can, he can form it if you don't have it. But we're going to shout, showing God we put our trust and our faith in him. Some of you are going to feel a word come into your spirit. You feel that word? Prophesy it. Don't think twice about it. Don't think three times about it. Prophesy it. Speak that word. If you feel to speak it over somebody, speak that word over somebody. I don't even care if you feel like calling somebody, putting them on speakerphone, and beginning to prophesy into their life. People have done that before, too. If you believe God can do it, then I believe God can do it, too. If you believe that God will show up and he'll heal and he'll deliver, I believe that God will do that very thing. We're going to do two things. We're going to repent all over this room right now. We're going to ask Jesus for forgiveness. Everybody, left, right, front, and back. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? I want you to open your mouth and begin to pray. Jesus, with your own words, if you don't know what to say, repeat after me. Would you cleanse my heart, God? Would you wash me? Would you forgive me of the things that I know I've done? Forgive me the things that I, I don't know I've done. God, I'm asking right now that you would cleanse my heart, that you would cleanse my mind. I forgive those that have done wrong against me, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your hand would be upon me, that you would touch me, God, that you would put in my mind and my spirit in my heart the words to speak to prophesy 
Allow me, God, to have discernment, to be able to discern uh, what spirit is in my home, uh, what spirit is trying to come against my kids uh, in the name of Jesus, that I may speak against it, uh, that I may prophesy against it uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. All over this room, why don't we clap our hands and why don't we thank God here today because God is going to do the impossible. I feel faith in this room and God is going to give some of you discernment in your spirit, your mind as to what is coming against your young people, what's coming against your wife or you husbands. We are, by the way, I feel I need to say this, we are as husbands, the men and the priest of the home. That is Bible. I do not care what feminist idea is in the world. You are the priest of your home. You are responsible for the atmosphere of your home. You are responsible for what comes in and what comes out of your home. Therefore, God will give you discernment in the spirit to be able to call out and be able to speak against what the enemy is trying to devise uh, even in your young people. You have that authority and that right. If you believe that, would you say amen? And all these great women of God, you obviously are the women in the home. And you have power as well over your children. We know that. We understood. You've got power there in the atmosphere of your home to change the atmosphere and believe that God can indeed hear your voice. Just like Hannah did as she would pray that God would give her a child. And that child became a great, mighty man of God. And so we will speak the word of God here tonight. My father-in-law, I'll say this last thing, walked into the hospital there in Hawaii. A boy had drowned, fell to the bottom of the ocean. His lungs were literally filled with sand. He was dead for over two hours. And while he was there, they picked him up, brought him to the hospital, but he was long gone. Impossible situation. Didn't make any sense whatsoever that the boy would, would use someone would even think he could come back to life. And my father-in-law walked into the room just to be there and comfort the family as a pastor there in Hawaii. And when he got there to the room, he said, I just felt God. And he said, I knelt down by the side of the bed and he said I begin to speak you will live and not die and he said I spoke a little bit louder the second time you'll live and not die he said I spoke it again you'll live and not die and he said over and over and over and over again he began to speak the word of God you will live and not die and all of a sudden that boy breath began to fill his lungs and his eyes opened up and his heart began to beat again and he came right back to life why because one individual decided uh, I believe that death in life is in the power of the tongue. That's when the dead rise. That's when the blind see. That's when the deaf hear. That's when the lame walk. That's when cancer's got to leave your body. When somebody begins to declare the word of God. Lift up your voice and lift up your hands all over this room right now. Would you do that? Why don't you lift up your head toward God? Go ahead, that's it. Let's worship all over this sanctuary.
I don't want you to beg God. I want you to imagine that Goliath in front of you. I want you to imagine that depression before you. I want you to imagine that fear around you. And we're going to begin to shout the walls of fear down. We're going to shout the walls of depression down. We're going to shout the shackles of suicide off of our children in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, 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 that's it. Go ahead, lift up your voice. Somebody with a vengeance in your spirit right now by the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak life all over this sanctuary in Jesus' name. Everybody, let's shout hallelujah. One, two, three, hallelujah. Go ahead, that's it. Pray in the Holy Ghost, something's happening right now. Come on, there's a young David. There's a Shunammite woman. Says it shall be well. Says it shall be well. There's a Joshua. Says for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. things over. You're not going to be able to speak into my life anymore. That avenue, that door is closed. That door is shut.
feel victory yet. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Your name. 